Good morning, church. How y'all doing this morning? Man, it's a good looking group of people. There's a lot of you this morning. It's amazing. How great a God we serve. Amen? All right. Let me read this morning from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thankful, thank you for this beautiful day we have. Thank you for this opportunity we have to come together in your presence. Father, we thank you for giving us a way out. Thank you for sending your son who is so much greater than all other things under creation, Father. Father, we pray that as Chris brings the message today that you open our hearts, open our minds that may, we may receive your word, that we may receive your presence. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I hope you can make it tonight to hear more about Honduras and just all the work God's been doing there. Honduras has a special place in my heart. I think first year we went was 2009, back in the day. And, and I remember that it was the first time I ever disobeyed Eric Pruka. Because we ran to Oraco um, and got a chance to be there. And now it's this church. We're, we're building a church there. It's just an incredible thing that we get a chance. Hope you can be a part of that. We're in Hebrews 10. And we're, we're coming to this little section where the author is kind of summing up this point. This point that we have over here that Jesus is our great high priest, right? And so he's summing this up. And then he's going to get intensely practical to us. He has this habit, the author of Hebrews, of, of bringing up this point and then giving us a warning or summing up this point and then giving us an encouragement to do something. So we're coming to this point. So remember, in the first part of what Ryan read for us, we're going to see a lot of assumptions that the author has for you. He's assuming you know all of these things coming into this quick summary statement. Therefore, verse 19, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Remember, when the high priest went up to the curtain to go into the Holy of Holies, he did not have confidence. He had fear that if he went in there in an unholy path, he would fall. He would die being in the presence of God. They had fear, but we, as a believer in Christ, can have confidence to go. And remember, it's not the blood of bulls and goats that means anything, but it's the blood of Jesus Christ that is the key. Remember, we talked about the sacrificial system and how it fell short, but it was pointing us towards something greater, which was Jesus. And by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living 
way. Remember, he is the way and the truth and life, but also through this new covenant that's been unpacked for us in this section, that the old covenant is now gone, and the new covenant of grace and faith in Jesus Christ is here for us. And then it says that by the new and living way that he opened for us the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And last week we celebrated the death and resurrection of our king. That in his flesh, which was broken for us, we can now have life. We now have an entering into the presence of God because of what Christ did for us, that he died and we rose again. So through his flesh. And since we have such a great priest over the house of God, because Jesus is our great high priest, then we should, and that's the section we get into. So he's saying, because he's our great high priest, we should do these things. The door is open, the curtains open, and here's what he says first, let us draw near. The door is open, come in. Like for example, if you were to come to my house, my door is hardly ever locked, right? If you're a friend and you come to my house, you just walk in. Like, hey, we're here, right? That, that's, that's the kind of house I want. I want a house that you don't have to knock. You just show up, right? I, I'm not worried about you catching us in the middle of a fight. I'm not, worried about, I'm not worried about that. Just come on in, right? This is the idea. God has opened the door. Are we ready to walk into it? That, this is good news, isn't it? We can draw near to God. Isn't that good news? Amen? Nobody? I'm the only one excited about that? All right. Um, it's good news. So then I guess I, I guess I have to ask this question. Do you want to draw near to God? Do you want to come near? Because when you come near a consuming fire, things get burnt up. When when you come near to God, the light, our blemishes are a little bit more evident, aren't they? You see, when we come near to God, that's the question we have to answer. Do I want to get close to God? Because when we get close to God, things change. In fact, this weekend, I had a chance to go with our young adults to, uh, down to the coast with Chris and, and our group. We took 19 young adults down to the coast, and we had kind of a little retreat weekend. And uh, the theme of that retreat weekend was treasure. It was based upon that verse in Matthew 13, verse 44, where Jesus kind of gives them this, this parable about a man. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, and he covered it up, but he went in his joy, and he sold everything that he had to buy that field. Is that Jesus for you? That when you found Jesus, it was such an incredible treasure that I'll get rid of anything, everything, just so that I can have Christ. Is Jesus enough? That's a good question for us, isn't it? Is it enough for us to give up a a lifestyle of comfort? Is it enough for us to give up time on a Sunday morning? Is it good enough for us to give up these different things in order for the glory of knowing Christ more and more and more? That's the question that we have to ask because this is saying we can draw near to God. And he's going to give us in this verse kind of three little keys, three ways that we can enter in with confidence. Okay, here's what he says. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, so here's what he says. Here's sort of those keys. Here's the first way. If you want to approach God, you need to have a true heart. That word for true is that word for sincere heart. Do you have a sincere affection for God? Do you have a sincere desire 
to be in his presence, to know him, to be in his word, to be in worship with him. Do we have that true? It reminds me of verses like um, um, Psalms 51.10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Remember, this is David, after everything that happened with Bathsheba, crying out to God, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Take that ugly, wicked thing that's in there and give me a new heart. Right? Or this verse in Proverbs Chapter 4, verse 23, it talks about really how hard it is to have that heart. Look what it says. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow springs of life. That it is work to take care of your heart. It's hard. Our heart's a mess, isn't it? Like, I don't know how many of you are parents, but do you remember this thing? I'm going to wait until I can afford it to have kids. You ever have that? You're never going to have kids. You can never afford to have kids. And it's not the money. It's this, right? It's the heart. It's the All those sort of things mixed together. Kids are a blessing from the Lord. They're, they're worth it, right? But we have this mindset when we don't understand it. We haven't quite got there yet. Like, it's hard. Taking care of life. I know this is an incredible verse, right? When we talk about Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. You have my permission to not be perfect because we're not perfect. If we're waiting to get, I'm going to wait before I follow Christ, I want to get my life together. You're never going to follow Christ because things just keep falling apart. We come to Christ to let him put us back together. And he might rearrange some of the pieces in our life. And he's worth it because he's the treasure. He's the treasure in the field. All this other stuff is twaddle, what George Mueller would say. All this other stuff is just is junk compared to knowing Christ. Do we have that mindset? Do we have that heart behind us? Because listen, out of our heart springs life. And, you know, there's other verses in Matthew where it talks about out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Does out of you come life? Like when you come into the room, are people like, yeah, or they're like, Hey, you know, do you have gravity? Do you have the ability to come into a room and you bring life into that room? When you speak to other people, you bring life to them. You speak over them. You speak encouragement to them. Does that bring life or do we have a tendency to bring forth death? Now, listen, I'm a recovering death speaker, Maybe that's how it goes. I have a serious problem with having a critical mind. Anybody with me in that one? Like, I have a, I have a smart ability to tear things down, right? That was a, I got trained with that when I coached football. My whole point was to break things down. That's not good to bring into marriage. That's not good to bring to your kids. A critical mind that doesn't have any filter on your heart. That's not good, right? So I had to have to get rid of that, right? I have a tendency to be super ultra competitive, like, I was a guy who never let his kids win at sports, right? Now I'm feeling the wrath of it, okay? Because <laughs> now they're 6'3 and 21 years old, and they're dunking on me. Right now, it's like, oh, let me win once. Never, right? They just said, you have this mindset, right? We just get stuck in this mindset. I never wanted to let them win. Right? In fact, if you're looking right now, I have a broken toe because we were playing football at the beach yesterday, and guess what? It got competitive, and kale crushed me, and one toe went the wrong way, right? So this is just a heart, right? But that's, 
That's not a good heart to have. I had to learn that going into youth group and here comes the new seventh grader and like swatting this shot into the wall, probably not the best way to grow your youth ministry. You have to learn like, okay, I got to dial that down and turn that in a way that how can I honor God in my competitiveness? How can I either win in a way that's glorifying to God or how can I lay down my pride and let other people be successful at those things as well? How, how do we turn off the things that aren't of God and become more like Christ. So this is the idea that we have to have a true heart. And here's the good news. Let's say your heart, like, man, my heart is broken. It's like a rock in there. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 says that God will take out our heart of stone and give us a soft heart. He'll give us a heart of flesh. You're like, I can't do it on my own. It's okay. Give your heart to Christ. Let him take that heart of stone out and replace it with something that is tender and right before him. This is what it means for us to have a sincere or a true heart with God. Here's the second thing. We have to have a true heart and have full assurance of faith. Do you have full assurance of faith? This is one of the questions we asked the young adults this weekend when we were with them. If Christ is our treasure, do you have assurance or do you have doubts? Do we waver? Do we sway with him? Because if we sway, we're unstable. In fact, that's what James 1 says. Right? It says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all those who ask. But don't doubt. Because then you're like a man being tossed to and fro by the waves, unstable. And all it does, you'll receive nothing from God. And we know this because we were at the beach yesterday. And there's actually waves at the beach in Port A. Isn't that crazy? They have waves, like they actually crash over. And, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but we had, the, we had a football out there. And, and our game was we're going to throw the football and see if we can hit the wave and get the catch at the same time, right? So we're like diving, it's flipping us over, all that kind of fun stuff, right? Just trying to crash into things. But, man, when we do those things, when we start playing those games, right, sometimes we get unstable. Sometimes it takes your legs out. Sometimes it knocks the ball out. We're unstable we're in the midst of that, or are we going to stand on the rock? When you walk out in a culture that sways back and forth, when you walk in a culture that's unstable, what are you standing on? Are you resting on the way people out there view you, or are you resting on how Christ sees you? We have to be solid we have to have faith. We have to be secure. Um, here's an incredible verse we read this weekend um, at this retreat that I wanted to encourage you with as well. This is Colossians chapter 1. I want to encourage you with this. This is who we put our faith in. Like here's what it says in Colossians 1 verse 15. He, this is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Whew, it's so good. All things were created, were created for him and through him, that we have purpose in him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you believe that? That means that when you're about to fall apart, he holds you together. Isn't that good news? Because, man, we have some reasons to fall apart. But yet, he is the one who will hold us together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That Christ is preeminent. He's going to win. 
Everybody knows ahead of time, Jesus is going to win. Do you trust in that? In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the waves, do you trust in the victory of Christ? That these present sufferings are nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of heaven. This is how we can stay firm on the rock. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We can draw near to God because he has reconciled us. And before God, we are holy, blameless, and above reproach. I couldn't do it on my own. There's a record of wrong that would follow me, but in Christ, because he is taking all of that on himself, past, present, and future mistakes, we can stand before God holy. That's the good news of the gospel message. So we have a true heart. We have full assurance in our faith in God. And we're going to get to this faith word in two weeks when we get to chapter 11, and God defines it for us and teaches us more about that. But the next one says this, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So good. What does that mean? It means that when we put our faith in Christ, when we read the word of God, that he will cleanse us. He will make us new. Now, the other place that we see this sort of wording is in Ephesians chapter 5. We see this sort of wording in the washing with the word. Do you know who that refers to? Husbands. Men, it refers to us. That when we lead our family, when we lead our wife, we are supposed to wash them in the power of the word. We're supposed to be like Christ to them. Men, we got to step up. We're called by God to lead our families and bring life out of our heart, to spring life, washing them in the power of the word. Are we leading our family in the word? Are we laying down our life for our family? Are we like Christ to our families? That's the first place we gotta, we got to spend that time. we got to step up and lead in that place. When dad comes home, does it bring life? Or does it bring fear? I mean, I'll confess, there were times that I came home and it was like, all the kids ran because they'd been bad that day. And here comes the principal of the homeschool coming home to deal with the problems of that day. But do I bring life to them? Do my kids, do I spur in them something that's like Christ? Men, we got to lay down our own pride, our own stuff in order to be like Christ. That, that's what we're called to do in Ephesians chapter 5, is to be that example for them. We, we have a problem in our world of people stepping up to be who they were designed to be in the Lord. Men, let's step up and wash them in the power of the word. Look what it says here. It says, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, that God can change the way we think. Isn't that good news? Because sometimes we just... We can see a story, but we somehow find the worst in that story. I had a conversation with somebody this weekend, and she was just asking for this, this help from God to help her through this trial that she's going through. And she referred to the story out of um, the Gospels. Well, do you remember the woman that was like having the, tr- the problem of the discharge of blood? 
And she just barely touched like the hem of Jesus's um, robe and it healed her. Her faith healed her. And it was an incredible story. And I was like, isn't that incredible? Like, that's a beautiful story. She's like, no, it's not. It, it took like 11 or 12 years. But she was healed. That was so amazing. She's like, yeah, yeah, but she, she like lost everything and it just took so long. I'm like, but she was healed. She's like, I know. It was like God's will, but but she was healed. Like, it's the same story. One person looks at the story and goes like, what an amazing God we serve. And one person goes, man, what a hard process. I don't think I can do it. We need to learn that when we look at our life, right, when you look at your kids, when you look at your family, when you look at your work, you can find something bad about it. Guaranteed. You can find something that falls short or you can find something that's beautiful about it. You can find something that brings joy to your heart. You can find something that glorifies God in the middle of it. The question is, which one are you going to let rule your life? Are you going to take that thought captive, make it obedient to Christ, and choose joy? Or are you going to let your flesh come in and choose to wallow in the self-pity and the, the unbelief of what it means to look at our situation without hope? We have hope. Now listen. Tragic things happen to us. Really hard things happen, but we have hope. We're not like those in the world who try to do it on their own power. We have hope in one who's conquered death for us. So this is the good news. We can enter into the presence of God because we have a true heart, because we have assurance through faith in him, and because we let the word of God, we've let him cleanse us and change us so that we are like Christ, his righteousness with us. So then he gets super practical, right? And here's what I'm going to send you with. Don't worry, it's not over yet, right? Here's what I'm going to send you with. What do we need to do as believers in Christ? Here's what it says in verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Do you see how it feels like that unstable part? Hold fast to our confession. What does it mean to hold fast to something? Has anybody been on a, a water skiing before? Or you ever been on the tube behind a boat and you are holding on for your life, right? And then you're like hitting the water going, why is there water tension? Why does this hurt so bad, right? Why do we need to hold on to our confession? Because we live in a wavy world. We live in a world out there that wants to undercut everything you believe in. We live in a world that's going to hate you for what you believe at some point. So we have to hold fast to our confession in him. Then it says this, for he who promised is faithful. Remember, we talked about the promises of God. We talked about the prophecies of God fulfilled in Christ. God is faithful. What does that word faithful mean? Committed, loyal, unwavering, right? We have to hold fast to our confession because he is faithful. Isn't that good news? God is faithful to us. Let's live with that same faithfulness to him. Then it says this, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Now, there's four really great components about this, okay? Here's the first one. Consider and then how to stir one another up to love and good works. Now, listen. Can you love someone that you haven't even noticed? What do you think about that? Can you love people if you don't even notice they're there? Like you came in today and you sat down. Do you know the people that are around you? 
Have you had a chance to meet them yet? We're supposed to have a love for one another in the, in the family of God, right? What if we don't know them yet? Tell you what, I'm going to give you a minute to get to know them. I give you one minute to say hi to the people around you and meet them. Ready? Go. All right, you got 12 seconds. 12 seconds. All right, time. Teacher time. We're back. Now listen, consider how to stir them up, right? Consider how to stir them up. To good work. Now listen, I have four kids, and so I know that when I was going to talk to my four kids, I have to talk to each one of them differently. Like Shelby, she's a tender soul. I give her the wrong look, and she's like, ah, like she just breaks down, right? Tyler, I give him a wrong look, he does the same thing back to me, right? <laughs> That's, it's got to be discipline. There's just something that has to happen there. Karis, Man, if I just say words to her, it's just like, she's such a people pleaser. Like, I just know words are powerful with her. Kale, quality time. You just got to spend some time with him. He's like, you got to wiggle the information out to get to the heart. Like, it just takes that time. Each one of my kids is so different. Each one of you is so different. You're all stirred up in a different way. And what's interesting about this word stir is the word agitate. Irritate. We're supposed to consider how to irritate one another to love and good works, right? Like, like I brought something to the stage, right? This is something. Okay. You ever play that game where you had to do like, what is this? Oh, it's an air guitar. Yeah. Right? You had to do that kind of game with that. Anybody know what this is? It's an oar. No, it's not an oar, right? Jayden, you know what this is? That's what? Kettle it's for kettle corn? That might be what it says on the tag, but not for us, Jaden. Good try. New staff guy. I did not been here long enough to figure that one out. Good try, Jaden. Anybody, anybody else? Hospitality team? Anybody out there? It is not a paddle. Did someone say paddle? I didn't hear. But I came into first service carrying this around, and they were like, people were having flashbacks. Because... It's got like a little hole in there, right? Like, whoo, it's got a little, little swing to it. And people are like, we're doing church discipline today? What are we doing? Like, what is going on today? Um, no, this is a hot chocolate stirrer. This tells you how much hot chocolate we make at night in Bethlehem, that we have two of these, okay, in order to stir hot chocolate. Now, listen, I know you've drank the lemonade before with the, like, someone didn't stir it, and it comes out in, like, the gloop. At the bottom, right? Because you have to stir things. Hot chocolate, you've got to stir, right? Now, when you stir something, you can't stir hot chocolate like this, right? Because there's no hot chocolate up there. You can't be above the container being like, stir, buddy, right? You've got to put the stir in the hot chocolate to mix it around, right? There has to be contact. If you want to stir people up to love and good works, you have to be in contact with them. That word stir also means sharpen. You can't just sharpen something by looking at it. 
right? Iron sharpening iron, you've heard that verse in the Bible. That's two pieces of iron hitting each other, and part of them is being removed in order to make them sharper. So in order to stir one another up, we have to be in each other's lives. We have to be willing to speak hard things to them. We have to be willing to speak with love and gentleness and kindness things that are challenging to them. Like, listen, it's not loving to let someone continue in sin. It's not loving. It's more loving for us to speak life into one another. They're like, oh, this thing that's ha- that you're doing is killing you. Let me speak life into you and have someone else who can do that to you as well. That's what it means for us to stir up one another, right? Now, you've heard stirring the pot typically feels negative, right? We're not stirring the pot to bring out anger. We're trying to stir one another to love and good works. So, like, I want to be about things that stir me up to love people more. The church should be a place where we love people more, not where we hate people more, right? So the church is somewhere that we need to love those that are different than us, love and encourage them, and good works. I want to be involved in missions that bring life into the school, that bring life into nursing homes, that bring life into Honduras and Romania. I want to be a part of things that stir people up to love and to do good works. That's, that's the example for us in Christ, but we got to do it together. It takes context. It takes community. And that's what he says next in these verses. He tells us that not, don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect getting together as the body of Christ. Look what it says next. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. We have to be together in order to stir one another up. Now, listen, if you hear a rumor that we canceled church, it's wrong. Because we are going to have Sunday morning church. Right, that's just the way that we live. We had snowpocalypse. We still had church. All like five of us had church that day, right? The five that could get here safely, okay? We were sledding down the hill in the back on a, on a bread tray at one point, right? Um, we're we're going to have church. But listen, Sunday mornings is not enough. Is Sunday morning enough community for you? Like your wife's like, hey, if I see you once a week, I'm good. No, that, that's, that's not what I, that doesn't go so well, right? So in order to be in community with one another, we have to meet more than Sunday morning. We meet by the playground, and we talk, and we fellowship, and we hang out. Not in the foyer because it's too small, but in, outside, right? We hang out together, right? We meet on Tuesday nights and hang out and spend time diving into one another's lives, right? We get involved in summer Bible studies for men's and women's. We get involved in one another's lives because that's what it takes to stir one another up. You have to have that contact together. It's not enough just to watch it online, and not be in community together. This verse is literally telling us, do not neglect, don't forsake meeting together. There's something special about being together with your brothers and sisters in the same place. Every Sunday is a family reunion that we get together and we share life with one another. We enjoy fellowship with one another. This is what God's calling. We need more time together, not less time together. Now, I don't know about you, when you miss church or miss path group a few times, isn't it so hard to get back? Like, I remember when I was in college, I lived with three other youth pastors, but I would always joke that they would say, where are you going to church this morning? I said, I'm going to Bedside Baptist, which meant I was sleeping in. Pastor pillow, sister sheets, right? And I was just sleeping in, right? Because what happened was you make it a habit 
two or three times, and I just don't want to do it anymore. A couple Tuesday nights, things come up, and you, and you get out of that fellowship. Well, guess what? The next Tuesday, I'm just so tired when I get home from work. It's hard to get back out there and be in fellowship. But we need that community. We need one another to spur one another on to love and good works. If you want to live a full life in Christ, it comes in community together. Right? And then it says this at the very end. It says, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. That we stir one another up. And how do we do that? Through our encouragement. Can, can I, I just want to spur you on this week. Say the words you think about people this week. Say those words to them. Like, I love Bradzilla. I thought about him this week when I broke my toe. Right? I was like, what would Bradzilla do? Right? He just like, I mean, how many times you sprain fingers, dislocate stuff, and just kept playing. Like, man, when I think of Bradzilla, it brings me joy. Right? When I think of Eric Capruca, it brings me joy. I love sparring, talking, hanging out together. Those people bring me joy. How can you encourage and tell people the things you're actually thinking about them? Encourage them. Tell your kids what you think about them. Tell your spouse what you think about them. Truly love people. That's what this is encouraging us to do, to get really practical with the book of Hebrews, which is, you know, this really lofty, a lot of different verses is how do we stir one another up to be like Christ? Let's do that today, all right? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word and that we have an opportunity to draw near to you. And Lord, when we draw near to you, that brings us closer to one another because we have this thing in common and that's faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that's what we want to hold on to as our confession. We want to hold on to you as God the Father and Jesus Christ the Lord. We want to hold on to the Holy Spirit who, who gives us, this, that knows the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray that you will help us to confess our love for you and to be loud about it, to tell other peoples about this thing that has changed our life. Lord, I pray that you'll spur us on to love and good works, that every person in this room, that when we go out into the world, we'll be able to love them. Will it be your hands and your feet to the people that are around us? So I thank you for this encouragement from your word. And Lord, as we finish this time just singing our confession to you, Lord, I pray that you'll be with it. Help it to be a time of just confession, ministry, and prayer. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Um, we were going to end with a, a song. One of those, the verses that Chris preached from is, Hold Fast Your Confession. So I want us to sing a song that would be that confession of what we believe as followers of Jesus. Um, also want to just bring your attention to uh, Pastor Chad and Jayton over here. If, if you would like prayer, if there's something you're going through, if you, if you would like to start following Jesus today, I mean, they would love to pray with you. Um, this altar is available also. And I'm going to ask you to stand, but if you needed to kneel, if you need to sit and pray, you can. Um, but if you do name the name of Jesus, I hope you do sing this confession with Spirit. 
Conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I'm judging our defender suffered and crucified forgiveness is in you descended into darkness you rose in glorious life forever seated high yes I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Do you believe this morning?
Y'all can be seated. So I want to personally invite everyone. I have three different invitations for y'all this morning. So the first one is the ladies. This Saturday, April 22nd at noon, we have a speed friending lunch and pie contest. So channel your inner Paula Dean, Martha Stewart, whoever it is, and come and bring your best pie, and it's going to be judged, and maybe there's prizes. I'm not sure. So the second one is kids ministry. So we have, okay, guys, this is for everybody, but guys, we're outnumbered like two to one, and there's no reason that should happen. So a lot of you have excuses, so we have put a video together for those excuses. So watch this. Here's the thing. I can't volunteer in kids' ministry. I take care of my own kids all day. I'm already tithing. What else do they want from me? Kids just don't get me. I don't know anything about the Bible. I am not a juice and crackers man. My kids are already grown up. I can't sing. I can't carry a tune. I volunteered last decade. I need less stress in my life. I'm allergic to glitter. Kids are girls. I don't have enough vacation days. Let's be honest, you know I'm teaching your kids. My weekends are for the golf course. Okay, so we've heard every single excuse. And that's not all of them. And some of them are that you don't know the Bible well enough to be able to teach it to kids. Well, we have put a stop to that. So you can come, and we have positions that you can volunteer that you don't have to teach the kids. You can help out in a classroom. You can help and check in in the foyer. Y'all see how crowded it gets out there on especially the 10 o'clock service. Okay? So volunteer meeting this next Sunday, April 23rd at 5 p.m. There's going to be food, games, and just come. Check it out. You don't have to sign up for anything. I'm not holding you to that. Just come and check out Kids Ministry and what we have going on. And the last one is Kids Camp. So rising third through sixth grade, we're going to have Kids Camp here. We're going to host it here at the church um, July 17th through the 20th. So mark that on your calendar for everyone that wants to do something during the summer that doesn't know. Okay? I'm going to share a verse with you all before we leave. Romans 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We are children of God, and that is a great reason to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus this, year, this week as you go out of here. Y'all are all dismissed. Thank you.